0: Of Parminio. Now, on our last podcast, we talked about how you can craft your story to demonstrate your passion, your purpose, your values, and your competencies. As we recall, Gary Burns said, "What he says, is the CEO of Corn Ferry, 80% of getting the job is having your story." Of course, demonstrating with passion and purpose, and your relationships. Now, telling your story, you're gonna be telling a lot of stories during the interview process. This is largely in part to the way interviews are structured. Of course, these days, especially if you're interviewing for a job such as a Chief of Staff, there's gonna be lots of behavioral type questions such as, tell me about a time when you had to implement a new process or tell me about a time when you resolved a conflict. Walk me through the steps. And of course, when you're answering these questions, you're gonna to wanna to be telling short stories, two to three minute stories, concise, specific, with some passion and some purpose that demonstrate your competencies and your skills and your values. So it's really important to be able to perform well in a concise, specific, powerful manner. What we're going to do on this episode of the podcast then is we're going to walk through uh, three specific things. First of all, we're just going to walk through some research on interviewing and, and on first impressions and what matters and what doesn't so we can get a sense for what's going on in the interviewing process. Second of all, we're going to talk about interview performance, three key performance factors which are Um, from the research, the most important factors. The first one is interviewee verbalizations, the content of your answers. Secondly, it's the the delivery of your content or your articulation, pitch, or cadence. And then third, it's your body language, your nonverbal behaviors, super important. So we're gonna walk through that. And then finally, third thing we're gonna do is we're gonna walk through the research on training and preparation and how important that is to interview well, to have interview mastery. And that's what this podcast is about. Before we get into that, I just want to highlight something here. We have a new um, portion of our site. It's growth.parmenio.co, G-R-O-W-T-H.parmenio.co. And out there, what you're going to find is a number of things. First of all, you're going to find questions and exercises for each of the podcasts. Now, we don't have all the podcasts up that we've ever done completed yet. We're working on those. We have most of the recent ones. So in the, in the exercise and questions portion, you'll see questions related to the podcast. that will help with memory, recall, processing, things like that. And then the exercises are kind of like mini case studies that you can work on to become more proficient. Um, skillful and knowledgeable about each of the individual topics on a podcast. Second thing we'll have up there is learning objectives. These are basically project plans to master a specific topic such as crafting your story. So we have a learning objective out there for crafting your story. It is a specific project plan that has both coaching and measurement plans involved in it It has a project timeline, it has estimated number of hours if you were to use us for your coaching and training. If you want to take that learning objective and use it, you can self-administer it in some ways. There's a lot of things that you can do as well like you can use reflection to uh, assess yourself. You can record a video of yourself performing your story for example. You can record audios and reflect on it. So you can still use those learning objectives as self-guided courses for mastery Um, not as effective as having a coach because of course with a coaching plan you're going to have outside feedback you're going to be on a on a task associated plan we're going to keep you keep you moving forward that's for sure so that's out there so you can take a look at those third thing we're going to have is detailed podcast chapter notes for um, each of the podcasts again they're not all complete We'll be having them all out there. Those will be the formation of a book at some point. There are detailed um, sketches of each of the podcasts. They're not simply show notes. So um, those will be out there. And then fourth, we'll have other things such as charts, graphs, visuals, appendixes, things that will be helpful and resources. It is a subscription page. So you have to subscribe to get access to it. Um, Most of it's free content. There is some paid content out there. Uh, Angela, she's new on the team. She's my assistant. She's working to put up a lot of that stuff. So we need to get her paid as well, but go out there, growth.perminio.co, take a look at it. If you're interested in any of the learning objectives to use those as a coaching plans, um, please contact us. Contact us with any questions, always happy to answer questions. All right, so let's get into the podcast here now. The research here on interviews, let's go into what we find some initial stuff here. First impressions are really important. Um, Research from Beric Switter and Stewart, 2010. The initial impressions of the interviewer, their initial impressions of you correlate significantly with their final rating. So how you show up within the first minute, several minutes, is critical to what their final rating of you is going to be. From Dipboy in 94, Recruiters trust their first impressions over objective tests. So they're gonna, their first impressions, how they feel about you is dominant. Uh, and Recruiter Judgment, this is from ambody and Rosenthal in 92, Recruiter Judgment is as good with a 30-second interview as it is with five minutes. What that says is they only need maybe 30 seconds to form an opinion, a perception about who you are. You need to be prepared, you need to be ready, and you need to show up within all three key performance factors that we're going to discuss. Strauss, what Strauss says is that most applicants are unaware of how important nonverbal behaviors are, body language, they're super important, as we're going to see when we get through the through the pod through this podcast, and we walk through the research. Hollingsworth, Kazelskis, and Stevens seventy nine. What they came up with is content fluency of speech, and composure were the three most important areas. That reflects very similarly to the three key performance factors we're using here, which were interview verbalizations, delivery of content, and nonverbal behaviors. Okay, so let's get into the first section of the performance factors. The first one, which is interviewee verbalizations, the content. As we said, you're going to be telling lots of stories. You're going to be answering a lot of probably behavioral questions. Behavioral questions typically stem from competencies. So for example, corn Ferry has 38 competencies a recruiter or somebody putting a job description will pull competencies for a specific job such as the chief of staff and then when they're interviewing they'll they'll pull behavioral questions associated with the with the dominant competencies now there's 38 you can take a look at them all which i have very in-depthly and you can kind of extract a number of them quite a few of them that can be applicable to a chief of staff so you can't You're going to have to have a well-rounded approach when you're preparing behavioral questions, that's for sure. Getting further into this, how do we want to answer our questions? Uh, Lewis Montgomery from Corn Ferry. he's a senior partner there, what he says is that preparation is key to success. You have to be really fluid and prepared, comfortable, relaxed, answering these types of behavioral questions. You want to be concise and specific, no rambling, no long preambles. Three minutes max, you answer the question, you stop, and you pause. I think a lot of people know methods to approach behavioral questions. You have the STAR, SAR, CAR. The STAR is situation, task, action, result. SAR, situation, action, result. CAR, context, action, result. Pick one of those three approaches, I like SAR, for example, it's three. It basically encompasses which in the, which, what is in the STAR approach, it's just a little bit more concise and smaller um, and that is a good approach for answering behavioral questions. Tell me about a time when you resolved the conflict at work and walk me through it. Well, the situation was X, X, the actions I took were 1, 2, and 3 and the results were this and here's what I learned from it, perhaps. That's kind of the approach you use for behavioral questions. Hubert Douglas has a few other points to add on how you should be thinking about answering these questions. What Hubert says is that really what you want to do here when you're answering these questions is you're telling a good story about yourself. You're painting a picture by taking the interviewer through a variety of personal and professional situations and that's really what matters. It goes back to what Gary Bernson says, we want to see who the authentic self is of this person. What do they stand for? What do they value? You know, what is their purpose? What is their passion? Those are the things that are going to stick out for the, interv- for the interviewer. Hubert also says is that most senior executives, senior executives are not prepared to talk about themselves in a way where their experiences that they share help the interviewer gain insight into the intangible qualities of this person and the person's true nature that they're interviewing. So they might have really good solid answers, but they don't get behind them with some depth of character that really allows the interviewer to really understand who this person is and that, again, comes with practice and being relaxed and, and telling good, powerful stories. Remember from the Craft Your Story podcast, if you tell stories, it increases information recall. It helps with the information processing and it's far more likely to create an emotional bond and to initiate empathy if you're telling a good story on the part of the interviewer with you. So we want to tell good, powerful stories, not just give the right answers. That's critical to remember. All right, so that's the first um, key performance factor: interviewee, verbalizations, content. The second key performance factor was the delivery of that contact, of that content. It's your articulation, your pitch, your cadence, how well spoken you are. And again, very important as well. Uh, Parsons and Leadon research in 84. What they found was that people that use articulation in their speech, they have good voice intensity, which shows some passion and some purpose, and they pause, they don't do a lot of ums. predicted hiring decisions that were higher than for people that just had a good objective content. So again, if you got very good objective content and you don't have good delivery of speech, you're not going to score as well when you're being rated. Frondarfer in 2013, candidates with less ums, 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 performed better, they're viewed more favorably. Hollensworth, Glavisky, Dressel, what they found is that if you are having problems with ums and things like that, pause, think, and speak. So practice that, practice, pause, think, and speak. You can also use coping statements, ask clarifying questions. Um, when you're answering a question. Let's look at some positives from your speech and some negatives from your speech. So positives, you wanna answer questions completely. Number two, we can request clarification, that's okay. Number three, we can request additional information. And four, speech duration when you're answering one of these questions should be around two to three three minutes max. Otherwise it starts to to ramble on. So keep keep your answers tight, concise, specific, but deliver them with some authenticity. That's what you ultimately wanna do. There's eight negatives they've come up with here. Number one, you don't wanna use negative verbal content. Number two, no rambling. Three, don't talk about yourself too much. Four, you, you can re- don't request feedback during the interview. Five, if there's contradictory statements, that creates confusion. Your stories don't match up. Six, don't use incoherent speech. Be very re- articulate so the other person understands what you're saying. Seven, don't use slang. And eight, no giggles and laughing in, in inappropriate times. So we want to keep those things crisp and tight. All right, let's get into the third performance factor, which is nonverbal behaviors, body language. And I've talked a lot about this, did a podcast on this, on Two Become One, being fully present. How powerful eye contact and body language is, I call it a superpower. We talked about that on the podcast. Extended eye contact, if you do it right, 30 to 60 seconds or longer, can increase oxytocin in both people's bodies. Oxytocin promotes empathy, understanding, attachment, bond. It's a great thing to do and to experience. So it's super powerful. But let's look at what some of the research here tells us specific to interviewing. This is from Imelda Hockel in 77. Interviewees that use more what's called immediacy behavior and this includes eye contact, smiling, nodding, hand gestures, you vary your pitch and speech rate, are perceived as more suitable for the job, more competent, more motivated and more successful. Four powerful things. So your body language, which is ultimately very critical to getting the job. Tells the interviewer these things if you have if you have good body language Gifford Eng and Wilkinson 85 the more applicants use appropriate nonverbal cues The more they are perceived as socially skilled and motivated You can have all the right answers. You can have the best answers in the world If you don't have good appropriate body language in a holistic unifying performance, you are not going to perform as well you need to practice these things and understand what, what it looks like to the other person. Anderson and Shackleton, 90. More eye contact and more facial expressions lead to a higher selection rate. Now, the caveat of that is they have to be within appropriate amounts and that comes with practice and feedback if you have a coach. You can't just keep using facial expressions over and over and over. They have to be appropriate within the conversation. Uh, Madstead, 2009, an authentic smile, of course, is evaluated more favorably than those applicants with either a fake or a neutral smile. So a good smile, which creates openness and friendliness, is important during the interview. Let's look at some more specifics here, just focusing on eye contact. Anderson and Shackleton, 1990, eye contact plus appropriate facial expressions, equal, the candidate is more interesting more relaxed, more stronger, more successful, more mature, more enthusiastic, more pleasant, more dominant, more liked. That's a lot of positive things that come from eye contact and positive facial expressions. Smiling when appropriate times, using your head to nod, to, um, to motor, using motor mimicry so you show the other person you're hearing them. From Anderson and Shackleton, more eye contact applicants had higher selection rates, all things being equal. The candidate that used more appropriate eye contact had higher selection rates, get more jobs. Eye contact leads to perceived competence and personal strength, Anderson in 91. Very powerful. I I can't overestimate this enough. What about just some facial expressions now? Let's look at some of the detailed research on this. This is from Gifford and Wilkinson again. uh, Smiling plus appropriate talk times. Um, Their candidates are rated as more motivated. Nodding plus speech rate. Candidates are perceived as being conscientious nodding plus speaking time plus less utterances, less ums, the candidate is perceived to be of higher intelligence. Smiling plus eye contact plus appropriate hand movements, hand gesticulations, equals a perception of openness and conscientiousness, and that's from DeGroote and Goody in 2009. So orchestrating your body movements, your eye contact, along with your hand movements, facial expressions, your posture is good, moving appropriately with energy is going to be another superpower. I told you this when we talked about body language before. It can put you over the top. If you have good contact and you have great body language, your performance will improve dramatically and you have great stories, of course. So we talked about some positives here now for body language. What are some negatives? Well. Your hand over your mouth. Keep your hand away from your face while you're interviewing. That gets negative scores. Rigid motionless facial expressions. That's not a positive. Avoiding eye contact. You're, not, you're lacking confidence. You're not strong. You're not enthusiastic. We don't want to do that. Distracting facial body and hand movements. Awkward movements. You know moving your hands way out to your sides things like that when i speak especially if i'm standing up uh, if i'm speaking to a crowd i want to have my hands kind of in a box in front of me that's that's about a two by two and i move them up and down to the sides together predominantly in a symmetric manner and we speak with our bodies we speak with our hands just as a note why is body language so powerful it goes back to the same reason stories are stories were were told for hundreds of thousands of years before written word. There are specific areas of the brain tasked with incoming narrative to match it up and make sense of it in a storytelling fashion. We talked about that on the Craft in Your Story podcast. It's the same thing with body language. Before communication and verbal communication got to the degree that it is now, if you go way back hundreds of thousands of years, and people were grunting and not speaking very eloquently of course there was a lot of body movement and hand gestures to communicate and if you weren't looking at me and you weren't animating back to me using motor mimicry i you wouldn't understand what i'm saying it would be very difficult for me to communicate with me and i would get frustrated as the speaker So body language and eye contact, that's why they're so powerful. They're innate within our bodies, in our DNA. So that's the third performance factor. Anybody can practice that and become very good at that with the right training and coaching. Anybody can do it. All right, so let's look at some, the fourth, the third point we wanted to cover during our podcast here. Training and preparation. What does the research on this area show us? Number one, practice is helpful, but feedback is even more helpful in the interview performance process. So if you wanna go out and practice by yourself, that's helpful, you will improve by doing that, especially if you use some of the methods that we talk about, such as self-reflection, recording your, your, your sample interview questions, listening to them, reflecting back and scoring yourself, using written journaling to track your progress, taking videos of yourself, that can be a pretty effective method. It's not as effective as if you have a feedback from a third party, an objective person who's done it a lot. Secondly, training programs that include practice and feedback show significant improvement performance in the candidates. So you, you definitely want to pursue some type of program if you're planning an interview for the chief of staff or any other job. Receiving feedback while practicing lowers candidate anxiety. So as anxiety decreases, candidate self ratings increase. And of course, we know higher anxiety leads to lower interview scores. That's from McCarthy and Griffin in 2004. Those with lower anxiety um, they are able to give greater impression management skills, ingratiating yourself with the interviewer. Positive relationship exists between impression management and perceived applicant suitability, Stevens and Christoph, 95. So all these things can start to come together with preparation, coaching and training. We know that. Interviewing training relates to increased self-promotion of the candidates. You can promote yourself better. That comes from Christoph Brown in 2002. Training and preparation, super important and super effective if you look at the research here. You're definitely going to want to do a lot of preparation. That's key to success according to Lewis Montgomery from Corn Ferry. Preparation, preparing, knowing your stories, demonstrating, telling your stories with passion, purpose, value, and and sharing your competencies so that the interviewer feels and knows the authentic person you are and understands why you want to be the Chief of Staff and why you make a great Chief of Staff is critically important. So that's what the research shows. Now, go over and uh, take a look at growth.permenio.co. Like we said, we got the, f- the different areas. We got questions and exercises up for this podcast. We've got learning objective, detailed project task plan. If you wanna look at that for interview mastery, it's out there. We've got one out there for crafting your story. We'll have many of them out there very soon. Takes time to put them together. If you read through one of those learning objectives, you want to, you're interested in formalizing a coaching arrangement, please contact us. We'll get on the phone, we'll talk through it. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, we've met somebody new and you've talked to us, and that's a fantastic thing. Detailed podcast chapter notes and then other charts, graphs, appendixes, and information. Um, go out there, please. Take a subscribe, see what you think, give us your feedback around. Again, we want to craft our stories with passion, purpose, sharing our values and our competencies. We want to come through as authentic human beings and really make a difference in this world, and that's a fabulous thing. And I want to thank each and every one of you for listening again to this podcast, another episode of Parmenio.